0: Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Secular Studies Part 1 and it's dedicated to the memory of Michael Ben-Gerald. The Neshama should be a blessing for all, a man full of life and energy, a good brother-in-law, and a good friend to all. We're holding. We're in the middle of Chapter 8 of Tanya, Perikhes. And previously we discussed how food—you are what you eat. If you eat kosher food, then you've become an energy full of positive energy. If you've eaten unclean food, unkosher food, then you have brought inside of yourself unclean energy. And by the way, we've mentioned this in a previous class. A good example for this would be kosher animals and unkosher animals. One of the reasons we don't eat unkosher animals is because you are what you eat. And a lot of unkosher animals are killers. They, de- they, they kill, they devour, they're fighters. And we don't want to have that type of energy. We don't want to have that type of um, passion. We want to be able to channel it in appropriate ways. So therefore we, we have to be very careful what we eat. And we mentioned last week that if we did eat something inappropriate, then there is a certain method of rectification necessary in that case. Today, we discuss something which is very hard to control ourselves. And that is talking. smoothing, Having a unimportant conversation that will lead us to Inappropriate concepts, inappropriate topics. Idle chatter. And such a thing, similarly, we have to be very careful. Number one, a Jew always has to learn Torah. We all say this in the Shema. Jews gave up their souls saying, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Alokein, Hashem, Echad." Chad, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And in the same Shema, we say that we need a teach the Torah to your children speak of it when you lie down when you go on your way sorry when you when you're sitting in your house when you're lying down we always have to learn Torah the Torah says day and night we have to learn Torah so firstly how could I say that idle chatter is allowed How do we have such a circumstance? The Torah says every single moment of the day that we can, we need to learn Torah. You know, they say it only takes five minutes to become a Rosh Yeshiva. A Rosh Yeshiva is the leader of a Yeshiva. He is the rabbi who teaches you how to learn Gemara. It only takes five minutes. What does it mean it only takes five minutes? The Rosh Yeshiva is that person who every time he had a spare five minutes he spent that learning. Everyone when you're in Yeshiva you sit and learn. But they say the Rosh Yeshiva takes five minutes because he was the one who took the extra time, those extra five minutes every day and invested in it. So Torah study demands complete and full concentration, complete and full time. Let's see this inside, let's see what the Torah says about it and then we'll go ahead and see how it's permissible, or who it's permissible to not to learn Torah. In your handout, page number two, footnote number six. In your, in your handout, it's number six. And you shall speak of the words of the Torah when you sit at home and while you walk on your way, like we said in the Shema, we, like we say in the Shema, that, when you, that you need to be talking about the Torah sitting in your house and going on your way. Our sages interpret this command as requiring a person to establish his Torah study as his fixed occupation. And to look upon his work as transitory. Necessity. Only when he must work. So basically, each and every one of us knows we need money. We know we can't live without money. But we have to make sure that the money is a means to an end. And not the end is money. You know, there was once a chassid who came to the Rabbi and this man sold shoes. So there he said, he said, I've seen people with their feet in their shoes. I've never seen someone with his head in his shoes. The man, he was preoccupied a whole day with his business. He was preoccupied a whole day with shoes. His head was in his shoes. We cannot get lost. We have to know that the, our job is not the end.
1: He was a caretaker of souls. He was a caretaker <laughs> <laughs> very good
0: so the job is not the end the end is Torah study as we mentioned one of the rabbis one time had someone come and ask him he said what is the difference between the Jew and the non-Jew and the rabbi called his Jewish attendant and said why do you why do you make money? He said, I make money in order to have food. Why do you have food in order to serve Hashem? He then called another man and he said, why do you make money? He says, I make money in order to drink. He says, and after you drink, I make more money to drink again. That's not the reason we're living. Our life is to learn Torah. That is the primary focus. There is, however, no license at all to neglect Torah study and involve oneself in idle matters. Meaning, if you, if you need to work, you could work. But just to get involved in idle matters is not allowed. A person who engages in idle talk transgresses a positive commandment. As it is written, you shall speak of them which implies of them, and not of idle matters. Just to talk is something the Torah says is not appropriate. Now let me mention here We're not saying You shouldn't talk to your friend You know the mission and ethics Of the fathers Chapter 1 Says that a husband Has to be very careful With his own wife How much he talks to her The, <laughs> the mission is not saying Don't talk to your wife Or your spouse The mission is not No Because then you're not Going to have a wife anymore that's not, that's not the message here The message is Everything has to be in proportion The same here And everything has to be with their reason. That's the most important part. If you're talking to someone to connect with them, someone needs to share their feelings. Oftentimes, people, they just need to get things off of their chest, as we say. They need to... That's not called idle matters. You know how many hours rabbis sit just listening to people? They're not learning Torah? That's not idle matters. That's that's very holy. Idle matters means... I think each and every one of us could... uh, could apply it to ourselves. But again, when we're doing something that has no ulterior motive, it's an inappropriate setting, and we could be doing better things with our lives. And any questions on that point?
1: I think it says beware of idle chatter. Beware of idle chatter, correct.
0: Okay, that is step number one. Step number one is to know we need to learn Torah as much as we can and not to just waste our time. Let's now go ahead and look inside of the Tanya in the Tanya itself, it's on page 34, left-hand column, bottom of the column. If you have the, pay, the handout, it's on page 2, top of the page. As for innocent idle chatter, one second, I just told you, you're not allowed to have idle chatter. So what is Rapsheraz Alman saying, innocent idle chatter? What does that mean? such as in the case we're in the Tanya itself, page 34, right hand column. How could you have innocent idle chatter, such as in the case of an ignoramus who cannot study? Okay. The Torah says if someone does not have the capacity to study, okay, so then you're allowed to have idle chatter. Nonetheless, you're doing nothing wrong, this person is doing none th- nothing wrong nonetheless he must undergo a cleansing of his soul to rid it of the uncleanliness of this klipa although you're not doing anything wrong but there's negative energy within this talk and you need to get rid of that, en- that negative energy in order to ascend how do you get rid of it? Through its being rolled in the hollow of a sling, as is stated in the Zohar, Parshish Pesachal, page fifty-nine. Shmuel David, are you familiar with a slingshot? A slingshot. The angels play with. The angels have slingshots, and they and they, they don't put in rocks; they put in souls. What do they do with these souls? you have angels on each side of the world and they take the souls and they pass them back and forth is it a game? they're having fun? no let's go ahead and see the wording of the Talmud about this and then we'll discuss what this is says the Talmud in in footnote number seven it was taught this is a quote from tractate shavis 152b it was taught rabbi eliezer said The souls of the righteous are hidden under the throne of glory. As it is said, Yet the soul of the Lord shall be bound up in the bundle of life. But those of the wicked continue to be imprisoned, while one angel stands at one end of the world, and a second stands at the other end, and they sling their souls to each other. For it is so said, and the souls of your enemies, them he shall sling out from the hollow of a sling. So the Talmud already told us this idea of angels sending souls from one end to the other. It's a little little,
1: little drastic. Rabbi? Yes, please. Um, this translation uses the word instead of world, which I think even is an infinitely greater punch from one end of the universe to the other
0: Ah, oh, and that's what I want to talk about what does this mean and we mentioned last week God does not punish there's no punishments there's purification well if <laughs> angels throwing around your souls certainly, certainly like, sounds like torture for no reason the angels are sending our souls from the garden of Eden back to this world what is that? the biggest punishment. We go and we see the most spectacular, ultimate dream to be able to dine in the glory of God, the Garden of Eden. They put you in there for one minute and then they send you back to this world. That is the biggest torture possible. Why are they doing this? This is a method of removing that dust. You remember last week we said, just like a talis that has dust, you need to shake it out. So similarly, the soul, if the body has impurity, then we mentioned the souls hit the grave. That was Chibot HaKever we mentioned last week. This week we're talking about not if there's an issue with the body, if there's an issue with the soul, so that the angels don't beat the body but they actually they wipe off by hitting back and forth they wipe off the dirt from the soul that is the method of purification for idle chatter again it's not a punishment it's a method of purification this is all if you were talking appropriate talk but for no reason in an inappropriate setting But the Tanya continues, but with regard to forbidden speech, such as scoffing and slander and the like, which stem from the three completely unclean klipot, if you're doing something that is asur, it's tied up. So then, this hollow of a sling alone does not suffice to clean and remove the uncleanliness of the soul, but it must descend into Gehenna into Purgatory. So, there are times that you need both this slingshot to refine the body. And in addition to that, we also need Gehenna. Similarly, like we said, there's no punishments. Gehenna, Purgatory, is not a punishment. It's a method of cleaning up the soul. It's a method of of allowing the soul to go to the next level. Are there any questions? Okay. What happens? Until now, we discussed if you spoke things you didn't need to speak to, or you spoke inappropriate things. Now we're going to continue and say that even if you just wasted your time, you weren't doing—not only you weren't doing anything inappropriate, you didn't talk. Now we're talking about you just—you wasted your time. So, too, he who is able to engage in the Torah, but occupies himself instead with frivolous things. Sorry. Over here he's going out, he's not doing anything inappropriate, he's just doing silly things. The hollow of a sling cannot itself effectively scour and clean his soul, but severe penalties are meted out for neglect of the Torah in particular. So this person is neglecting the Torah. And that comes with a severe penalty. Apart from the general retribution for the neglect of a positive commandment through indolence, namely the purgatory of snow, as is explained elsewhere. So someone who goes ahead and does, wastes his time And he could be learning Torah, so now it gets much more complicated. Number one is, he needs to have the hollow of a sling. In addition to that, he has to have severe penalties for neglect of the Torah. A third thing is general retribution for the neglect of a positive commandment. And that is through purgatory of snow. So it's very serious. Torah study is very serious. When you see These people and we we call them, we have a term. Like ultra-orthodox Jews that are just sitting in yeshiva wasting their wasting away, they're not wasting away. That's God's the, the ultimate dream at in certain circumstances is where the Torah says, sit and learn as much as you can. Of course it comes with the task that we need to create a livelihood, we have to be able to help other people, we have to be there for other people. But nonetheless, Hashem says we need to learn Torah as much as we can. Absolutely. What does it mean that someone who wastes his time rather than learning Torah needs to go through purgatory of snow. And by the way, purgatory of the snow, we're we're saying it's not only for someone who wastes his time. We're saying it's for anyone who neglects a positive commandment? Neglecting a positive commandment, oftentimes people will say, Oh, the Torah wants me to do this. But I don't if the Torah says, Do not, I can't. But if the Torah says what I should do and I don't do it, it's not such a big deal. Over here, the Tani is telling us, if the Torah tells you that you need to build a sukkah. Even if there was no commandment not to eat outside of the sukkah, just the fact that Torah said you should and you didn't, that demands purgatory of snow. What is purgatory of snow? Well, there's two types of purgatory. Gehenim, there's gehenim Shel Eish. There's purgatory of heat. And there's gehenim Shel Sheleg, purgatory of snow. Why? Well, it depends. If you were doing something exciting, you had a lust and desire for something inappropriate. So then, mida knegget midah, the purgatory will be purgatory of fire. But if your method, the reason someone went ahead and didn't listen to Hashem was just because he was lazy, because he was cold, well then the rectification will come through purgatory of snow. Gehenem Shelek. Any questions? Okay. Yes, David.
1: I think it's extremely important to remember that the uh, writings emphasize having a constructive occupation so that not only can one understand what is involved in a living, but also so that he can contribute to public institutions. Uh, The already self-appointed and self-anointed who think that only by studying the Torah and doing nothing else, that somehow that can bring about the coming of the Moshiach, forget that somebody else is out doing uh, the everyday work to keep society going to support them. And the Torah emphasizes getting a gainful occupation, and it's specifically mentioned in the Perkei Avot. in addition to which, by doing nothing but studying Torah, but managing to arouse oneself once and when one studies enough to throw rocks at somebody who doesn't agree with you is not exactly uh, anything but, uh, uh, I'm mixing my metaphors here, la shon hara of action. And uh, I think that's unfortunate. Uh, the Torah always says that there is a middle course. You shouldn't drink too much, but you shouldn't cease from drinking. You okay, I, work, but you should not work so much that you don't have time to study Torah.
0: I appreciate your comment. David's comment is that we need to know that we have to still live within in society and be mindful of it. I, I that that's appreciated.
1: Thank you, David. And that's why there's no monastic tradition in Judaism, by the way. Thank you.
0: So now we're going to go ahead and we're going to move from what we were talking about until now which is, waste, which is talking you know just talking things of unimportance or wasting our time and we're going to go ahead and discuss what happens if you're not wasting time you're learning you're learning valuable things but it's not Torah in the words of the Tanya sciences of the nations of the world and to clarify the Torah clearly tells us that the nations have wisdom. There is wisdom amongst the nations. We're not denying that. So what happens if someone goes ahead and learns Chachmasa Oumais Sciences of the Nations. So you're not anymore wasting your time. Says the Talmud number 8 and footnote number 8 tractates Menachot 99b Crazy story. Ben Dama, the son of Rabbi Yishmael's sister, once asked Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Yishmael's nephew, Ben Dama, asked him, May one such as I, who have studied the whole of the Torah, learn Greek wisdom. And this was not a selfish, he wasn't a haughty person. He wasn't saying, oh, I know everything. He was asking a real question. He says, I've learned the Torah. So now, let me go and learn Greek wisdom. Rabbi Yishmaul responded, he thereupon read to him the following verse. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. The Torah says that this should, it should not go out of your mouth, you should Meditate upon it, There, you should meditate therein, day and night. And he finishes off, it's an awesome quote. Go then, and find a time that is neither day nor night. And learn then Greek wisdom. Find that time. There is no such time, says Rabbi Yishmael. So even if one has learned the whole Torah, says, Rabbi Yishmael, the Torah says, there's no time for Greek wisdom.
1: Why do we have a bracha when we see the accomplishments
0: of the great secular scholar? I'm going to take all questions and hopefully at the end of this class we'll have a full picture. I'm going to ask that we uh, continue through the chapter. At the end we have a fascinating summary and then we'll take all questions. Number nine. This is a quote from the Shulchan Aruch, Laws of Talmud Torah, Hilchot Talmud Torah 3.7. Not only are idle matter forbidden, it is even forbidden to engage in the study of secular disciplines. This is implied by by the charge that the Dibartabam, you shall speak of them. You shall not combine any other matter with them. So the Torah says, again this is from the Shema, We should only speak of the Torah, nothing else. Nevertheless, a Torah scholar may sporadically study other disciplines so that he can derive from them Torah concepts, inspiration towards the fear of heaven, and culture deportment. This license is given, however, only to scholars, but not to people at large. Okay, so now already we're finding one permissibility, that is, a Torah scholar can learn concepts to assist him. Even a scholar, though, may not read the texts of Minim. A scholar may not learn the texts of heretics, i.e., the works of the Gentile philosophers who were minim that denied God's providence and his gift of prophecy. There are certain books, says the Code of Jewish Law, that a Jew can't read. Things that are heretical, not heretical, things are that uh, were written by heretics, it's not appropriate. Or if it talks against the belief in God, something a Jew is not allowed to read. Okay, these are two insights we have so far. Again, we're going to wrap this together at the end. But let's go back inside of the Tanya now. Now that we have this introduction, that Rabbi Shemal says, of course you could learn Greek wisdom. Just not, at, not during the day, not during the night. That's introduction number one. And our introduction number two, that there's no permissibility to learn anything aside from Torah, unless you're a Torah scholar, and even a Torah scholar cannot learn, cannot learn things against God. Let's go now into the Tanya. Likewise, page number two. We're back in the Tanya, bottom of page number two in your handout. In the red Tanya, we are towards the end of the right column. Likewise, he who occupies himself with the sciences of the nations of the world is included among those who waste their time in profane matters, it's Mendel, I think there's someone at the door. Do you my check in the back door? Someone who could learn Torah, but instead he's learning science of the guy of the nation, Hamas Umay. So it's considered as if he's wasting his time in profane matters. Insofar, as the sin of, neg- of neglecting the Torah is concerned. As is explained in the laws concerning study of the Torah which we just read together. Okay, so someone that learns Umais, it's the equivalent of wasting your time and unfortunately we mentioned before that someone who wastes his time doing frivolous things instead of learning Torah We have those three details that are necessary to to purify himself from that status. But now we're going to go further. We're going to say, no, no, there's much more. Unfortunately, learning is worse than wasting your time. Why? Moreover, the uncleanliness of the science of the nations is greater than that of profane speech. Why? Because for the latter informs and defiles only the midot. If you waste your time speaking, it's not affecting your brain. You're wasting your brain, but you're not affecting. You're not bringing in negative energy. But if someone goes ahead and learns, Chochmas Ummah is the sciences of the nations, So he's playing around with his brain now. That's what we're saying here. Moreover, the uncleanliness of the science of the nations is greater than that of profane speech. For the latter informs and defiles only the midot Speech, it's only going to defile the attributes which emanate from the element of the holy ruach within his divine soul. with the contamination of the klipat noga that is contained in profane speech which is derived from the element of the evil ruach of this Khalipa and his animal soul as mentioned above. When well, we go ahead and talk inappropriately so the evil ruach affects the holy ruach. The evil midot affect the Holy Middot. Yet, he does not defile the intellectual faculties of Chabad in his soul. He does not defile the three highest aspects of his soul. The Chachma, the Binah, the Dat, the wisdom, knowledge and understanding of the godly soul is not affected. For as they are but words of foolishness and ignorance. Even fool and ignoramuses can speak that way. There's no intellect in what you're talking about. So talking, wasteful words, only affects the lower half of your soul. Not so is the case of the nation's science, whereby he closes and defiles the intellectual faculties of Chabad and his divine soul with the contamination of the Klipat noga contained in those sciences. So, you're taking the chabad, you're taking the brain, the intellect, and contaminating it with the science of the nations. Where did the science of the nations come from? Where did that brilliance come from? What? From God. So when did God give it to the nations? Whether they have fallen through the shattering of the vessels out of the so-called hinder part of Chachma of Kidusha, as is known to those familiar with esoteric wisdom. When Hashem created the world let's go ahead and look at number 10. This is a quote from the Midrash, Beratious Rabbah, Medrash Rabbah, Beratious Rabbah 3 7. Rabbi Huda ben Shimon, and there was evening, Vayahi Erev. Rabbi Huda ben Shimon said, Let there be evening is not written here, but and there was evening. When the world was created, Hashem doesn't say, Let there be evening, let us create evening. He says, No. And there was evening, Vayahi Erev. But I don't understand. When was evening created? Hence we know that a time order existed before this. Day and night existed before the world was created. Rabbi Avahu said, This proves that the Holy One, blessed be He, went on creating worlds and destroying them until He created this one and declared, This one pleases Me. Those did not please Me. Hashem created many worlds and he destroyed them. You ever heard this before, Dr. Yosef? I heard
1: that in the sentence,
0: yeah. Fascinating Midrash. The Midrash says, Hashem created many worlds. Familiar, David?
1: Midrash, Rabbah. Yeah. The Midrash, you... you, I haven't got to that one yet, but I'm familiar with it.
0: That Hashem created many worlds and he destroyed them. He says, this is not okay. This is not the one.
1: We're still in Genesis.
0: Well, this is actually right in Genesis 3.7. We'll we'll
1: get it soon, I'm sure.
0: He said, this is... Finally, this world was created. He so said, This is the right world. You know, the world was getting bigger and bigger. And Hashem said, It's enough. One of the names of Hashem is, It's enough. Shakai, the letters shin, then dala, then yur, is the name of Hashem. What does that word mean? She, space, die. That it's enough. Die, it's enough.
1: What did you say? Shadai? Right. Okay. Right.
0: That it's enough. Because Hashem told the world, enough. Stop at that point.
1: And that is one of the first names of God that is in the Torah. Yeah.
0: So what is this?
1: Yes, yes. So before He
2: created the world, you were mentioning there was day and night before the world was created. Exactly.
0: Because there were worlds before us. And And those had day and night.
1: So Hashem had created day and night
0: before. That's right. That's right. So if you think we're the first world out there, you're wrong. There's many worlds before us. What happened to those worlds? They crashed. They fell. And that is what we just said in the time, you're shattering of the vessels. There were worlds, but they shattered. With them shattering, godliness shattered. That means there is godliness. Oh, oh. There is godliness that has been spread out outside of where God wants it. What does it mean to break? That means you have a vessel and now it's, spread, it's broken. That's what happened. Hashem had a world full of godliness and it broke. And those sparks fell. And one of those places the sparks fell is in the wisdom of of the nations. That is where the wisdom of the nations, where do they get their brilliance? It's from these sparks that have fallen from the world created prior to our world. So is it very holy? You'll say now it's very holy. So not only is it not wrong to study wisdom of the nations, that's where God is! No. That's what Ripshneir Zalman says. They've fallen through the shattering of the vessels, but don't forget That it's only the so-called hinder part of Chachma. That means, yes, the vessels have shattered, and there's godliness within them, but it's only the backside of the wisdom. Don't get too excited. It's not the essence. So, if we go ahead and we learn the wisdom of the Goyim Chachmasa Umites, we're defiling our biggest treasure. We're defiling what makes us human. What makes us human is our mind. And we're defiling it. So are you ever allowed to learn science? Or I have a bigger question. I know rabbis that have. The Rambam was a doctor. The Rambam. How could they have learned Sciences.
2: And
0: he was an astronomer. Too. Astronomer, <coughs> absolutely. Well, astronomer is a easy one to answer because the Torah says we say in Ethics of the Fathers you need to know astronomy. Is it astronomy you need to know in order to calculate the new month? Is it astronomy or astrology? Yeah. So, so that's a, that's an easy one to explain. But we're talking about he learned other sciences. How could he have done that? Unless he employs these sciences as a useful instrument, as a means of a more affluent livelihood to be able to serve God. Ah. So if you're using this for God, if you're learning to serve Hashem, that's that's holy, like David said before. David said, we have to know there's a society, we have to be able to make a livelihood. That's one permissibility for a livelihood. Or, there's a second permissibility. There's a second option. A second permissibility for someone to learn sciences of the nations. And that is, if he knows how to apply them in the service of God and His Torah. Even if it's not for your livelihood, but you know how to apply it to holiness, then it's okay. And this is the reason why Maimonides and Nachmanides, the Rambam and the Ramban of blessed memory and those that followed them engaged in in, um, these sciences. Because they were doing it. Whether it was for a livelihood or whether because they knew how to go ahead and take out the good from this science and use it for godliness. Let's wrap this up. I then want to show you six different levels of, of how we could apply sciences of the nations to us and then we'll take questions. To wrap it up and with this we conclude chapter 8. We've said that we need to learn Torah the entire day. That's what God wants from us. It connects us to God. We learn chapter 5. There's nothing greater than connecting to God. God God, um, surrounds us. We surround God. We create this union like nothing else in this world could create through the study of Torah. It's the greatest thing out there. And if we don't learn Torah, unfortunately, we're causing something very serious, and therefore we have to be wary, we have to be very careful, before we learn Chachmas Umays other sciences. When is it allowed, though, we have said? We said it's allowed if you're doing it for a livelihood, or if you're able to take out the good for the service of Hashem. I'd like to now go ahead and look at the last six footnotes of this chapter and look at six different levels of learning Chachmasa Ha'umais Level number one number 11 A serpent A serpent goes with young for seven years How is this proven? How do we know this? You know, I think it's written interestingly. I think that the Gemara is saying here that a serpent is pregnant for seven years. How do we know that the pregnancy lasts seven years? Says Rav Yudah, in the name of Rav. And they trace it in tradition up to the name of Rabbi Yeshua ben Khananiah Because scripture says, Cursed are you from among all cattle, and from among all the beasts of the field. The snake was cursed. And based on that curse, we're able to take out clearly that the pregnancy of a serpent is seven years. So this is the first method of learning science. The first method of learning science is from the Torah itself. And even as a principal, it's fascinating, one of the things that I'm trying to do and and all schools are, is to incorporate Torah together with our general studies curriculum. So rather than having two separate curriculums, be able to make them overlap. And this is a fantastic idea. In the Torah itself, we are able to learn science. We're able to learn that the pregnancy of a snake is seven years. Step number one. Step number two. We're now going to learn A second stage where the Torah says you need to learn astrology. Number 12. It is a positive commandment of the Torah for the court to calculate and determine whether or not the moon will be sighted. To examine witnesses until the moon can be sanctified. So the Torah is saying you want to be a judge. You need to learn how to calculate the new moon. You need to go and learn astrology. Step number 2. Step number one is we learn science from the Torah. Step number two is that you need to do it in order to, to know a mitzvah. Step number two.
2: Is that astrology
0: or astronomy? Could someone help me out here? Astronomy. Astronomy. Thank you.
1: Although astrology at that time was considered to have some scientific merit.
0: and I knew you would back me up. Number three, we're now going to learn another scenario, fascinating scenario when you can learn... Sciences of the Nations, number th- um, we're now up to number 13. It is not in heaven, says the verse in Deuteronomy 30.12, that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and fetch it for us? To tell it to us, so that we can fulfill it. The Torah is not in heaven. What is the meaning of it's not in heaven? What do you mean it's not in heaven? Shmuel taught. The Torah is not amongst the astrologers who focus on the heavens. Ha! Shmuel says don't think the Torah is with the astrologers. His students asked, How then are you an astrologer? Haha, Rebbe. Double faced? What's going on here? How do you know astrology? It's like me saying, David, I do not want you learning how to cook. And meanwhile, I went myself and learned how to cook. So says, responded, Shemuel, no, no, no. I only look at the stars during times I may not study Torah. There's times I can't study Torah, and then I study astrology. When can you not study Torah? While relieving oneself. When you're in the bathroom, over there, you can't think words of Torah. You have a book you want to read? Perfect. Step number three. Step n- Sorry, go ahead. You can't,
2: in the restroom, read any religious book, even this, like The Sitter or anything? Correct.
0: Any holy book cannot be read. and You can't even think words of Torah. Mm-hmm. That's step number three. Step number four. When could you go ahead and learn sciences of the nations. Rav! First generation of the authors of the Gemara. He says, Rav said, I spent 18 months with the shepherd in order to learn which was a permanent and which a passing blemish. We know the Torah has a big section in Vayikra in Leviticus about animals. What's a beautiful animal, what's an animal that cannot be brought as a sacrifice. Very practical. If you want to serve in the temple, you need to know what blemish. Is, what's a blemish and what's not a blemish. So Rav said, I spent 18 months of my life with a shepherd learning what is a blemish, what's not a blemish. So the Torah didn't tell Rav. In number two, the Torah says you need to learn astronomy. It's not what the Torah doesn't have a command. You need to learn about blemishes. That's why this is the fourth step. It's a new step. The new step is that, Torah, that you're learning the wisdom of the nations to help you understand a command of the Torah. And now we come to the fifth level and that is in number 15. A person should always distance himself from charity accepting difficulty rather than needing the assistance of others. So stated our sages of blessed memory, make your Shabbos like a weekday but don't seek assistance from others. Better, better that on Shabbos, by your Friday night dinner, you have your Monday night dinner then go and collect charity and have an extravagant meal Friday night. Even if he was an honored Torah sage who became poor, he should involve himself in a profession, even a low profession, rather than needing help from others. So here we have a fifth level. At the end, sometimes you need to learn science, sometimes you need to learn secular studies for a livelihood. And finally, we come to the final level, and that's the level discussed in Tanya, and that is when you don't have any of these five levels. You're not learning this item from the Torah. You're not le- learning it to understand like the. Astron- you're not learning it from the Torah like the example of the snake. You're not learning it for the mitzvah, like the example of astronomy for understanding the new moon. You're not learning the sciences because you can't, because you're in the bathroom. You're not learning the sciences because you have a lacking in understanding of the Torah and you're not doing it for your livelihood. Nonetheless, there are times you could go ahead and learn these sciences and that is something the Rambam and Ramban did. Why were they able to learn these sciences? Because they were able to take out the good and use them for Hashem. Interesting. We're saying that the Rambam didn't learn it for a profession but he was a doctor. How could you say he didn't learn it for a profession? A little history here and that is we know clearly that the Rambam learned how to be a doctor many years before he became the physician that he was. While he was still, and he, in other words at the time he learned it he didn't learn it in order to practice. Nonetheless he was able to learn it because he uh, he was able to take out the good and focus it for the positive. So in summary there are methods, there are methods that we are allowed to learn general studies, but, the, but what we do need to leave to, away tonight is to know. And it may be a little drastic, but I'm just going to say it the way it is, and then everyone could scream. And that is, learning secular studies, or let's talk about college campuses because they're the easiest. Unfortunately, today, we all see what's going on on college campuses. We see how they're free-spirited. Free-spirited basically means anti-Israel. And they're, unfortunately, very often anti-God. And going to, to such a place with this negative energy, and again, learning, without specific need, we're not going to college because we know that I want to be a doctor and I'm learning what I need to know to be a doctor we're going to learn just to go that's a very big challenge and before someone goes they have to really prepare themselves if they need to go and uh, prepare themselves emotionally prepare prepare their soul for it recognize what they're getting into are there any questions? yes David? I did not expect you to sit there quietly.
1: It's painful for me to be in a position of re you, and so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to proceed with all due respect and deference to point out for the, and I hope this is not presumptuous of me to do so, the consideration of the assemblage and also with respect that you think about a much more concrete and specific example of pursuing secular studies for the sake of expanding one's knowledge and understanding the secular world. We need not go to Maimonides. We need not go to any other Jewish source. Who can we go to to examine that, Rebbe? You tell me. Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson who was an outstanding scholar at German academies in mathematics and physics and subsequently went on to a French academy and tutored and passed all of the exams, going to class not every day, and was an outstanding scholar in the sciences of the nations. Not only that, the Rebbe spoke several different languages. He didn't learn those languages spontaneously at the time of his birth. He was a brilliant man with a brilliant secular education. So we need not reach back into history to see such an individual. He's very much... Where's his picture? It's in here. All we have to do is look at the picture of the Rebbe. Why did he do that? Because he knew that he needed to understand the world in order for Lubavitch to thrive and build. And that is the example of the Rebbe which I revere. And I don't say that out of contradiction or disrespect to the Moran. Now, I want to point out one other thing which, thanks God, I was able to learn from the Mishnah Rabbah when we talk about the creation of the worlds, uh, and this is from Rabbi uh, uh, Moti, that in fact, as, uh, the, uh, as Hashem created the worlds, He determined, He created the Torah and determined the Vesemikdash and the Aaron Kodesh and its location before He ever created the world. That is how eternal that has existed. Mishnah Rabbah. No, I, I just want to comment on what David said. No, but may I ask one thing? Sure. Have I said anything that is iner- that is wrong? Factually. Not only you haven't said anything wrong. We're, we're agreeing. And I
0: think the example is fantastic. He said the Rebbe went to college. Now I want to say that fits perfectly with what we're saying. We're saying that someone... First, firstly, a little, a little background because the Rebbe going to college was brought up. A little background. We have do- documentaries... And uh, you can find them online, of people that, uh, that uh, discuss his time in college. Firstly, a few fascinating details. He was in Germany wearing a Yarmulke in college. I think that's uh, detail number one. And detail number two is, he didn't get caught up in the college life. Not only that, he did his own thing. But detail number three is, while he was in college, he wrote some of the deepest secrets of Torah that we have today. Basically, my point is that someone like the Rambam, someone like the Ramban, a, a great Torah scholar that has the ability to to remove the good from the bad, he's able to go. And I think fully, we're fully agreeing. What we are saying is that for the masses. Um, Someone, first of all, that has not learned the whole Torah. And second of all, someone that is, is unfortunately not so stable. Stable means he hasn't come to a level in his life where he is confident. He, is, he, is, uh, he has all what it takes to know that this is where I am. There is nothing that will ever change my conviction. So then, that person is endangering himself by... Going ahead and involving himself in other in sciences of the world. Yes, Doctor Joseph. Well,
2: the, I mean, there's there are certain areas that they delineate where it's permissible yeah. it. yeah. um, to but that leaves a lot, um, um, a lot of things that you know kind of add beauty to, <coughs> like for instance, music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or art, or, or drama, or uh, literature. And from some of these things, um, you can derive you know, spiritual you know, inspiration, I guess.
1: Sustenance.
2: Yeah, I mean, like hearing a beautiful piece of music, or you know, something like reading uh, a novel by Tolstoy. I mean, there, there's a lot of spirituality there. And, and if you take a very narrow view and say, well, that's beyond the pale, then you're you're cutting yourself up for a whole lot of good things that are
0: in the real world fantastic question about. let's take the example of music I think it's the easiest firstly um, Judaism is all about music the Levium in the temple they were musicians so we're fully into music um, and the, the discussion we're having is whether you should go to college to learn music whether you should have a music teacher, a tutor or a private teacher that teaches you what you're trying to gain, there is no conversation. We fully agree that uh, you know a child that needs a, something to or not only a child an adult that needs to have something he could do he could do in his free time to soothe his mind that's a holy thing. That's not our conversation here. Our conversation here is when you're going to do something, just because that's what everyone's learning, but you're not doing it with, the, with, the, with a clear goal in mind. And even if you're doing it with a clear goal in mind, then there's a lot of side details you're learning that are not important. That's our conversation. Did I, did I answer the question? No,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: not only music. That's going to go for all areas. Drama is the same thing. Today. My brother-in-law, he puts he a thirteen-year-old. He puts out a weekly video show, and on it, he puts the weekly Torah portion. It's fantastic. He he knows. <laughs> I have a student last year who knows computers so well that some of the people I'm working with this year, some of the you know adults, call call this boy for advice. So drama is another area, or, or any area. I mean, you can list all, all areas. Any area, use it out for the good. The Torah says if someone likes seeing blood, so let him be a mo'el. You know, basically, there's, there's room for... You have to use that example. <laughs> <laughs> there's room for everything in Torah. The question is whether we need to indulge in the sciences Outside of what the Torah offers us,
2: college has changed a lot over the years. I mean, what isn't now what it used to be, but a lot of people uh, were exposed to things uh, many years ago that they probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. I mean, I mean. Bad things, I mean, good things. Right. And it was sort of a, you know, it's sort of a baroque experience that opened into the world.
0: Thank you. Good evening. Uh, well, otherwise, well, you don't even know well,
2: really this. Uh,
1: so, my secular studies caused me, quite frankly, this sounds like another Aiken's arky remark, but it's not. My secular studies caused me to question all the premises of Reformed Judaism and begin today. And that's contributed in a major way uh, to my coming to Orthodoxy. Uh, it's, I've always regarded it as a matter of acquiring tools. If those tools tend to expand your intellect and your appreciation of Hashem's universe, all the better. Each of them is a finite tool to accomplish a particular purpose. And acquiring that tool, in my way of thinking, is extremely worthwhile. I'm really sorry you guys have missed out on some of the discussions here and I am about birth control. Those are great.
0: The, I, I, want, I want to, I think this is a great, a great conversation. And I wanted to share again. That, that example that Dr. Yosef gave was fantastic. There are many things, he says, that he, lear- that he learned or everyone learned in college that if they had not gone they would not have known. I think everyone agrees. The conversation is that unfortunately together with that there's a lot more you learned that you shouldn't have learned. And, and what we need to do and, and it's, it's been done is to be able to create a method of only learning what's appropriate because when we learn the inappropriate things, it firstly, unfortunately, has turned many people off, sadly, from God. We see it. We see people that, you know, they, they're separated, they, they, their world becomes science, their world becomes knowledge, rather than belief in God. And, and second of all, like we learned earlier, Hashem doesn't want us just learning things that have no relevance. So back to your point, there's many things learned, agreed, it's, a, it's an agreed point, and what we need to do is we need to take those points and uh, combine them and teach those rather than creating, you know, four or eight years of college where we're learning some important things and some unimportant things. Um,